I call this massive structure the shadow government. Another fellow calls it the deep state. Take your pick. But I want to show you how massive this secret government is. Now this is since 9-11. I can tell you a lot of this was pre-existing 9-11. Most people think that the NSA surveillance program was a result of 9-11. Isn't that what you've been told? The NSA surveillance program existed before 9-11 happened. That's what they're not telling you. 1,271 government organizations involved in secrecy within the United States. 1,931 private companies, large private companies, involved in secrecy in the United States, bound by the secrecy agreement. 10,000 intelligence locations across the United States. Did you get that? 10,000 secret locations, not overseas, not in China, not in Indonesia, not in the, inside the United States. Now, the CIA legally is only supposed to have a foreign charter. Anybody know that? It was forbidden from having any operations within the United States. That's what it, that was its restraint. That restraint is now gone. 10,000 locations. 4.8 million Americans, and that's, all, that's just the ones we know of, hold government security clearances and are bound by and threatened by the secrecy agreement to stay silent. Now, the figure's a lot bigger than that, but that's a lot of people and their families and, and, and everybody that they're connected to. Do you think they're going to speak up if it means total destruction? Probably not. 854,000 people hold top-secret security clearances, which has severe penalties, and there's compartments above that, uh, some of which I had, that have even stricter penalties. But that is the number of people that have top-secret security clearances where they've got the keys to the kingdom, essentially. Each one of these agencies employs the secrecy agreement as a binding tool. Now, it used to be to protect legitimate classified information. It has morphed into a threatening tool to silence dissent. Of course, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, the, FBI, the Department of State, Department of Justice, Department of Defense, Department of State, and now we know that NOAA and the National Weather Service are binding their employees with secrecy agreements. Why is the weather so secret? You got to ask that, don't you? Maybe Dane's right. <laughs> Why do they have to bind people like that? I, I am a huge proponent of the truth, and I am really, really up uh, against secrecy in a constitutional government unless it's absolutely necessary. Why would the National Weather Service make a, a weather program secret and make people sign a non-disclosure form? Got to ask that question. The military-industrial complex, tens of thousands of government contractors. The government comes, for example, most people don't know this, the CIA has a technical firm it's created called InQtel. InQtel offered, I think it was a $5 million contract to Google. Now, what they do is they come to these companies and they say, hey, we got, we'll give you a contract for $5 million, $20 million, and most companies are thirsty and they're out trying to get contracts to survive. So they'll say, oh, but we'll take, yeah, we'll take the contract. Google took the contract, $5 million contract. They are now joined with the CIA in QTEL. What are they doing? They're doing research on trends on the Internet and Facebook. They're monitoring the Internet is what they're doing. Let me just, let me just break that down for you. Now, do you think any of the Google executives can talk about the program? Do you think maybe they made them sign an agreement before they got the $5 million? Uh, yeah. 
why don't you hear anything about that? Why, why isn't Google saying anything about that? Well, that's why. Employees at every level. Uh, if you've got uh, big-time Beltway Bandit Government Contractor X that gets a covert agency contract, they, they are bound to sign the secrecy agreement, and every employee at every level on that contract has to sign the agreement. Secretaries, lo logistics people, of course, the CEOs, people that run the copy machines, all bound by the secrecy agreement. Thousands and thousands of people. You see the number of people that are, that are bound by the government out there? Are you kind of getting that picture? It's a lot, and that's just the ones that we know of. The story that you told us yesterday that we'd love to say again very briefly, and I'm going to be using the word briefly in my, in my questions here with, with an apology, because we know that you could talk with us literally for days about the extraordinary experiences you have, the things that you know, the things that you've been told, the things that you strongly believe with good reason. But one of the stories that we want you to tell is what happened one day when you were 10 years old with a bunch of adults and you had an extraordinary experience. There was a wedding that went on, and as I remember, it was uh, kind of in uh, maybe June or July of 1950. Uh, and at that point, I had uh, had very limited uh, educational resources in this tiny town, but one of the books that uh, got me very, very interested in uh, ancient peoples and anthropology and archaeology was the book uh, that was written about the discovery of King Tut's tomb. And about the time I finished that book, it got me very, very excited to learn about the Egyptians and learn about the technologies that they had and, and who they were and how they built the pyramids. A uh, lecturer came to town, uh, the man who wrote the book Contiki, Thor Heyerdahl, and uh, then that got me excited, so I decided I wanted to be an anthropologist archaeologist and was dead set on it and reading everything I could get through the state library system on that subject. And uh, along came this wedding, and just about as the preacher was to uh, say the words of destruction to the bride and groom, uh, someone pointed up the sky and said, what's that? And everyone turned around, there were about 130 people there, and everyone turned around and looked. And for the next two hours, everyone at the wedding watched a series and groups of what I can only call flying saucers uh, flying through the air, some as close as maybe 100 feet and some as far away as maybe 20 miles, put on a spectacular show. And everyone there saw it, as did many people in the surrounding community. Were and they all the same? No, they were, uh, they were very different ones. Some were uh, the shape of a pencil and seemed to have windows uh, along the periphery. Uh, some were round like a ball. Some were saucer shaped with a bubble or a dome on top. Some saucer shaped with two or three bubbles on the bottom. Uh, if you go back and look through the uh, various uh, flying saucer sightings that we've heard about over the years. There was probably one or two of everything we've ever heard about. And uh, these things would dash away, clear out of sight and come back. They would uh, run away from the people at the wedding party directly. So you were looking just at mm -hmm. one spot. And the significance of this is that at this point, 
you made a major life change, right? At this point, I made a major life change. I decided I was much less interested in King Tut than I was in having my own flying saucer. Right. And so uh, immediately uh, started studying science. And so I've studied science ever since, and uh, much of it toward the end of building my own flying saucer. And uh, over the years, I came to the conclusion that it was, uh, to, to build a flying saucer, uh, you really needed to know first how to build a, what I call a Doctor Who phone booth. And uh, he would go into it and it would become a time machine. It's called the TARDIS. It was called the TARDIS. And uh, so he was a time lord and he would travel back and forth in both space and time. And so uh, as I tried to figure out how to build a flying saucer, I found out it was easier to build a TARDIS. And then I got thinking, well, who wants to just shove an aerodynamic body through air when you can just simply get somewhere and dial your destination and walk out where you are and you don't have to push anything through the air. So uh, uh, anyway, I worked toward that end and have done many, many science projects, uh, some for large corporations, some for, uh, we'll call them agencies. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and we would say, be careful what you wish for, because now you have the understanding, as far as you have, 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 have told us in our conversation so far, you have actually the understanding, if you don't have the factory, to actually be able to make these machines. And you can also confirm that, that the powers that be on planet Earth actually have access to this technology and use it for all kinds of reasons. Is this correct? Uh, as far as I can tell, uh, there are a number of governments that have this technology. Uh, my feeling is, and or my knowledge is, that it's been acquired from people who came to this planet from off-planet. Uh, and it's been from uh, the reading of a lot of ancient documents uh, dating back as far as 6,000 years. To the Sumerians? To the Sumerians. I have a, uh, a Sumerian document that's been translated that tells exactly how to build a, a flying saucer. And it's a direct translation. And uh, it uh, probably doesn't give everything, but it certainly gives the principles. And I've uh, experimented with a number of those principles and find out that things take place that in modern physics aren't, aren't possible. And I've worked with a group of scientists that have, uh, have recently discovered things in both mathematics and science that would lead me to believe that the greater part of science that we have today, and I have a, a PhD degree uh, in natural philosophy, what they used to call physics, uh, that uh, uh, took a lot of effort to acquire and uh, it leads me to believe that these uh, ancient documents uh, portray knowledge that we simply don't have and that the knowledge we do have is wrong. And you've been privileged to spend time in the Vatican Library. Is this something you can talk about on record? Uh, Probably, well, I can talk about things that uh, there's a lot of information there that uh, is very contrary to things that we believe very deeply, both mm -hmm. philosophically and, mm -hmm. and scientifically. Mm -hmm. And that's basically been held uh, away from the public. It's not common knowledge. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of translations, which I think probably came from the remnants of what didn't burn in the Great Library of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. Some very ancient documents and I was involved at a 
for at a time with uh, machine language translation of a lot of that material, which was uh, in those days was somewhat crude, but at least it gave us some ideas. And the ones that looked good were later translated by people who uh, had done, you know, lifetime studies of the language, and I think they're pretty fair translations. Are you able to say about anything that you learned about the Anunnaki? Or is this off record well? Well, the Anunnaki, who, who are uh, written about in the Christian and Jewish Bible texts, uh, there are, I, I've seen skeletons of what we call giants. Uh, there have been uh, recent giants. There are, you know, people that would travel around to traveling circuses and so forth that were very, very large uh, through genetic problems that they had. Uh, uh, genetic errors and all of them had uh, joint problems, they had organ problems, they died young, uh, the bodies couldn't support the weight, things like that, but some of the skeletons uh, don't show those uh, anomalies that one would see and uh, they're very well formed, they're very uh, very much like uh, our skeletons uh, in many respects and they were written about in the Bible and they were written about in other ancient texts. So uh, one has to believe, I know that uh, there were numerous uh, uh, suggestions that DNA tests be run on them once we got DNA testing pretty well down. And I know those have been thwarted by uh, various uh, religions and various uh, uh, school bodies people not wanting to uh, say that there, uh, there are things that we don't understand or that they don't understand or that they don't want to understand. But, but we human beings are from ET lineage, are we not? My, my belief is that, uh, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, radiocarbon dating has, has become very, very accurate. And we have uh, very good records of uh, cavemen that didn't have a language. They drew some, some drew pictures, some didn't. Uh, we found caves with their tools in them, with the evidences of their civilization, with their making crude tools and things. Uh, and there have been a number of spots that those were found, especially in Africa and Europe and the Middle East. And then all of a sudden, over an 80-year period, emerged a civilization that for 3,000 years had the same language and the same religion and the same writing and the same mathematics. And it was very, very advanced from things that came afterwards. And, uh, you know, in modern history, since, uh, oh, let's say 300 B.C., we haven't had any civilization that didn't change the language to where you couldn't read it in the 300 year period. Yeah. Now, many of the viewers of this video will be aware of the influence on ancient Sumeria where this, this, this fully developed civilization seemed to appear from nowhere. I was just asking whether you can confirm in any way what a lot of people, a lot of people suspect, which is that we actually are have been created or engineered by ETs who knew what they were doing and who, who wanted to create us for special purposes? Well, I, I don't have uh, absolute proof of that. That's one reason I'm building the laboratory here. 
But one of the things I did notice in uh, the late 70s and early 80s, uh, I did a lot of medical uh, equipment engineering and I designed a machine that uh, would read a field that surrounded the human body and could uh, could give you a readout on the condition of the organs, uh, organ by organ in the body, and uh, then it could locate or find or even create a medication that would fix it. And uh, one of the things that I found was in the early beginning that that machine could pretty accurately come up with 50 uh, diagnosis rate of 50 percent. And uh, of course I wanted it to be perfect and spent a number of years finding out that the reason that I didn't get over 50% was because a lot of people had genetic errors in their genetic system and uh, as a result of that they had disease processes that were based on those genetic errors so you had to treat them very differently as people that had a disease that was based on uh, viri or germs or uh, you know other uh, parasites especially and uh, so I finally got it to where about 70 to 75 percent of the diagnoses appeared correct and the selection of medication treatment appeared so uh, correct and then I thought well okay there's 15 percent here that I really don't understand and it was about uh, oh, 10 or 15 years later that we got pretty familiar with and uh, pretty good with genetic testing and I found that that 15% of people had very very similar uh, sequences in the DNA that that were unlike uh, the other 85% of the people and they were unlike anything else on earth they appeared to be alien to the earth and so I thought, well, that well could be through uh, exposure to some form of solar radiation or some type of ionizing radiation. And uh, so we looked at people that lived in areas that had uh, natural radioactive compounds like the areas in southern Utah where a lot of the, the uh, carnitite and other uranium-bearing ores were mined and people at spent time there, people were in fallout zones of nuclear testing at the nuclear test center in Nevada. Uh, we sent the Gemini capsule up and it went up and well the first capsule that went up and uh, so we're all sitting in mission control and called up and you know Ground to capsule, ground to capsule. Hello, do you read us? Comes back, and there was dead silence, and then everybody laughed because uh, we had the thing. The last guy that went to work had to be the guy that ran for lunch, and right down the street from JPL, right above the uh, Rose Bowl, was a, was like one of the first Jack in the Boxes. And you'd drive in and you'd order and then they'd repeat the order back and then come back you couldn't hear a word. And so everybody realized that these astronauts had taken their turn going and getting lunch and et cetera, et cetera. And everybody laughed and thought they were 
simulating the jack-in-the-box effect. It turns out that that's the best communication we had. And so immediately, Chris Kraft turns to me and says, Peterson, <laughs> solve this problem. So I made a thing that we eventually called the lecture laundry. And uh, it was a device that found out why such things took place. And they still take place. We still go to drive-ins and you can't understand a darn thing. Check to see why I couldn't get the uh, the final 15% of the uh, diagnostic readings correct and finally came to the conclusion that it was because these people had uh, DNA that was uh, uh, had come from off-planet and that led me to think well if that's the case there must be some kind of historical record and when I went back and looked at the historical record, I found out that there are numerous records and numerous uh, uh, archaeological evidence that uh, we were visited by people from uh, off-planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, very probably, in my opinion, not only off-planet, but uh, extraterrestrial or extra-solar system uh, type of visitors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so many different uh, uh, people that claim having seen such things, that they existed, uh, seen such peoples. There are several broad categories of such aliens. Uh, a few, a few, a small percentage of those could be attributed to anything from paranoia to uh, uh, just tall tales or whatever, but when you have as many as there are, all the way down through all of recorded history, leads one to believe that it probably was very, very true that such things existed. And as an example, anyone who wants to find something from the past, uh, read Ezekiel in the Bible. Yeah. In the course of your work, have you encountered any documentation about the existence of our relationship with creatures like this? Uh, I have. Uh, most of them I can't talk about. Sure. But uh, yes, I've seen things written by uh, scientists that I have very high respect for. Some were uh, teachers of mine. Uh, some were people that I worked with scientifically in other fields. And uh, there were casual conversations about such things. And uh, led, that's why I have the beliefs that I have that. Uh, uh, that we have extraterrestrial DNA in our bodies, and some of us do. Uh, it's rather interesting to note uh, that uh, there's been a lot of supposition about uh, various uh, various programs to uh, reprogram people's minds, mm -hmm. to uh, throw their thinking off, mm -hmm. to cause them to uh, believe things that aren't necessarily true, but uh, politically would be uh, a very good thing for those in politics and in government and in religion. And uh, uh, it's interesting to note that uh, mind control techniques work on 85% of the people. And the 15% that they don't work well on are people that have that particular DNA strain. Uh-huh, okay. So another, uh, you know, just another verification that those people are very different from the average person. Pete, uh, I'm sure we're going to have 
tons of people wanting to know about this 15% DNA category. Is it all one type of person, like one race, or, or, or are they distributed throughout the population? And if you can't tell us, you can't tell us. No, they're, uh, they obviously run in family trees, along family tree lines or family lines, but they're pretty well distributed throughout all different cultures and races. Thank you. And uh, which would be, which again would be to me a confirmation that they probably did happen because why would someone come and select just one, one race or, or one family line? So this is black and white and right. red and amarillo. Red and yellow and, and okay. green and blue and whatever. Yep. How about uh, your DNA? Are you one of those? As far as I know, I am. We probably all are in this room. And uh, we probably all are in this room. As <laughs> yeah. a matter yeah. of fact, I've mm. found that as, as the last uh, 10 or 12 years have progressed, I've noticed that uh, many people, when I talk to about things that I know that are a fact in both uh, science, mathematics, and, mm. and in history, as well as in my belief system, uh, I talk to certain people, and the 85% that I don't seem to have a medical problem with i.e. the ones that have quote-unquote normal human mm. DNA. I don't seem to understand what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> when I talk to them, it used to be that they would call me crazy, mm. or it used to be that they'd be more really interested and want to learn about it. But uh, nowadays when you talk to those people, when you're done talking, they don't say, that's crazy, you're crazy, I don't believe it. They come back into consciousness and start talking like you'd never said a word. Yeah, interesting. And so the people watching this video are probably among the 15%. They're self-selective in many areas. Well, I, I, from what you've told me about yeah. you know, the people that, uh, that you deal with, I would uh, believe that. They're yeah. probably in that 15%. Okay. Now, there's so many places we can go from this conversation, but there's something important which I want to grab here and now. And that is, you made an allusion a few minutes ago to when you moved here nine years ago to be in a very quiet secluded place with your laboratory which you're building to do your work and what can you say about why you are here and why people who are elsewhere might one day wish that they were also here uh, it's it's very very secluded informationally and then the the place that I chose here is kind of back in a little notch in the mountains and so it's even more secluded so that was one reason. The other reason is it's an area that's very highly defendable. And uh, that was very important because of my belief and the belief of many other people that I have great respect for, uh, that uh, the world is going through a, I'll call it a meltdown. Uh, we're going through a change. Uh, the uh, alternative uh, thought uh, radio and television shows and motion pictures uh, are all, and books uh, and movies are all fraught with the fact that something major is going to happen in 2010 or 2012, uh, the end of the Mayan calendar. Uh, Earth changes, a number of things. The Yellowstone caldera is very, very uh, active. Uh, the, uh, there are areas up there where the ground has risen my understanding is it's risen about four feet. Uh, we all know that there's got to be major volcanic activity under Yellowstone area because we can go up there and see the 
the mud pots bubbling and old faithful geysering and, and you get the same smell thing. the smell the uh, sulfur coming out of uh, Hades and metaphorically the same thing may be happening politically exactly and the same thing happening politically we've uh, uh, best best I can tell we've been printing not only billions but trillions of dollars with nothing to back them whatsoever and right now uh, I have uh, very dear friends in China that are offering me mature T-bills and mature U.S. bonds uh, that they can't seem to get cashed and uh, that they're offering to, for 10 cents on the dollar and uh, they're trillions of dollars worth. It'd be enough that uh, if the world court system would uh, uh, enforce their eventual payment, every man, woman, and child in the United States would have to work for four or five generations to pay them off. And what's the connection between that and your being here? Well, that my being here is I'm in an area that because of its geographical location uh, has, has four seasons, but it has a good growing season. Uh, the area where I am exports both uh, agricultural and uh, meat product uh, in far greater amounts than the people here would consume. Uh, one pry bar uh, or one stick of dynamite would shut uh, access and, and uh, not egress particularly, but it certainly would shut access off so that if there were indeed a failure of the currency and the ensuing uh, political and uh, certainly geopolitical meltdown, uh, this area would be very protected from large groups of people with no money and therefore no food and no energy and whatever. People come looking for food would probably come to an area like this. Is there anything you can say about your belief of the likelihood of these events transpiring? I've been led to believe in numerous briefings and uh, people that I know in fields that very definitely would know and so forth, they've all warned me that I should be at a place like this and many people, even those from Europe and, and other places that had uh, very heavy financial collect, uh, connections in major cities around the world have closed those offices down and uh, a great number of them have expressed a desire to move here if they haven't already moved here. Anyway, here to this particular area. Here to this which, particular which area. He, Jacob told me in 2010 that they were working with the Draco to create a vaccine that they were gonna force everybody to get after they had collapsed the world into a depressed, horrible place where everybody has to take it, they have no choice. And he told me that the vaccine has Draco computer Nano, nanite technology in it. That the Draco invented this, they have it in their bodies, and now they're trying to put it into us. And I didn't know if I believed this, Mike, until I just watched the other day something you posted on Brighteon. I think it was with Stu Peters, where it was this lady, a, 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 a molecular biologist or something, who had looked at one of the vaccine droplets without putting the slide on top of the microscope slide. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do know what you're talking about. there's these about. bubbles yes. that look like they got hexagonal geometry in them and they all kind of connect with each other in this extremely weird way. And all she's doing is looking at a droplet of the vaccine on a, on a microscope slide without the cover on it.
Well, if you've been paying attention, you saw last week we had Dr. Kerry Medea on with some horrific images. That video on Rumble alone now surpassing 1.5 million views. Despite the suppression and the censoring that's happening, the shadow banning over on Rumble as they lie and say that they are the free speech alternative to YouTube. That is just absolutely not true. But what you are about to see now, these are images that have never yet been reported on, that have not been widely shown or anywhere that I'm aware of, specifically here in the United States, and they come from Dr. Zandre Baffa. She's a PhD in alternative medicine. She holds a diploma in integrative medicine and is a certified live and dry blood analyst. She uses advanced microscopic techniques to analyze her patients' medical ailments, and more and more of her patients have post-COVID vaccine illnesses. So when an attorney recently approached her with a chain of custody documented Johnson & Johnson vial, she looked at multiple portions of the material and found something that no one else has yet shown. Dr. Baffa joins us now. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate this. Normal slide, your, your microscope slide, um, and then I just covered it with a tiny cover slip. So this is how I got these images. And just for other scientists and doctors maybe watching, um, this is probably the technique that they use because this is how we get taught. Um, just to mention that I'm not a, a particle expert at all. I'm not a biochemist. Um, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm just reporting what I'm seeing. And well, we, then, need, we, we would definitely these, be, it would be advantageous if somebody would come forward who has that expertise. But what you're seeing here appears to be this round black disc with metal connectors. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from other experts with whom you have shared this? Um, so a lot of the other structures that um, I've been showing um, is um, was, was done by using this technique. And when I shared it with a couple of other experts, um, I think because I haven't used this technique, they are not kind of seeing this. But yeah, nobody has really come out um, forward and saying, yes, this is what it is. Everybody agrees that it's not natural. It's too structured to be anything biological. So I think that's the consensus. But I have not gotten, you know, a 100%. Nobody's really come out and said, yes, this is what it is. There's some speculation, but I don't like to speculate at all. But these were self-assembling. You know, I, I have a video of it, uh, which I didn't share now with your viewers, but they were self-assembling, which was very strange. And um, so I did one at a lower magnification and then I did one at a higher magnification. And now we're looking at the discs. And really, if anyone can explain what, what, what this is, um, and this I did by not covering the vial. I actually just put a droplet and I put it under my microscope without covering it. And I think that's when maybe other people will start to see these type of structures as well. People doing um, microscopy will maybe be able to also see these same things. So this is um, just one droplet, then, one droplet from the vial. You're seeing all of this stuff. And, yes. and you said that you don't think that these look biologic, but that they look more engineered. Can you say more about that? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, they're very symmetrical and um, they seem to be joined together by, I can just say what I'm seeing. I, right. I, I'm not sure what what to make of it. Um, if anybody has seen this before, um, then I would also like to know what it is. But I did about four samples and I saw this in each and every sample. I took it from the same vial, but I checked it four times. Um, and then... 
when these um, black structures, when, when the sample dried, and this is another technique, um, is I just left the sample on the slide and I dry, it just dried. And then I came back and I looked at it. And then these disc-like structures have kind of, they're gone. You can't find them anymore. But these black lines started to form. So that's the next thing um, I saw. And again, Stuart, I wish I could tell you what it is, but I'd, I'm, not a, I'm not a specialist in, in molecules or in particles. But You've been examining strange. live and dry blood for yeah. a, an extended period of time. How long have you been doing this? 15 years. And in the 15 years that you have been doing this, have you ever seen anything like this? Nothing. And I've the only thing consistent like about the blood that you are seeing these structures in is that these are patients who have received these shots being called COVID vaccines. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that these are air bubbles? Um, so I actually had a discussion because I wanted to find out what it is. So I, I went and I looked at some air bubble structures, uh, which were that, that looked similar, but, um, most of the doctors that came back to me said, you know, they are too symmetrical to just be air bubbles. They're very symmetrical and they, they, they're so uniform, but Stu, I, I wish I could really put a stamp on it and tell you what it is, but, but I'm not sure. Okay, I'm so not sure what it is. Doctors that have examined or looked at your findings have said, no, these are, these are too symmetrical, which would substantiate what you had already said, that these appear to be engineered, whatever this thing is, these black discs with some sort of a metal-looking connector is what I, mm. I think I'm looking at here. I mean, does that appear to be metal to you? I mean, I don't know. You, you tell me. Well, um, when I did the dark field, these particles did reflect. So I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of it because they are reflective. And I can just in layman's terms say they look engineered to me. If I'm not sure. You've seen I'm air bubbles before. Sure. And, mm. and, in, in the blood analysis, yeah. And, and these uh, air bubbles are typically not held together by metal connectors or things that shine, uh, I would imagine. Yeah which is what we're seeing here. So what kinds of illnesses are people suffering from that these very strange structures appear in their blood, in their bodies? Um, I see um, severe um, thrombosis, um, severe um, uh, embolisms and water retention, cognitive issues, lots of cognitive issues, uh, everything from memory loss to depression, I see patients um, with blood clots um, confirmed by um, an ultrasound, just um, lots of pain at the injection site, loss of movement um, from that arm that it was injected, a severe headaches lasting longer than eight weeks, and um, lots of mobility and pain, uh, nerve pain. People have been um, experiencing shortness of breath. But then when I look at the blood, I understand why there is shortness of breath because the red blood cells cannot transport oxygen when they look like that. And even when I put the oximeter on um, to test the, the oxygen um, saturation, it's low. It's at 89. I mean, so it's not just looking at the blood. There's a physical uh, manifestation of, of the symptoms. So these people have low oxygen. 
very well there's low oxygen there is um, blood clotting there's red blood cell aggregation there's non-viable white blood cells so the immunity cannot respond the way it should to viruses and bacteria and infections which might explain um, these breakthrough cases or this delta variant where all of these covid patients seem to be those who are quote fully vaccinated uh no they're injured by these shots is what they are yeah, um, i do agree with that um i would like to maybe if you can just um show the viewers this, these black structures are not the only structures that I saw. I, when the, the, the um, sample dried and I looked at it again, I found these strange square-like discs as well. And they were definitely reflective and they had a very specific structure. So I was, you know, like Dr. Kerry Monday, when, when I watched her interview and she said, you know, I cry. I do the same, you know, I, I cry when I see these things. I cry when I see these patients. Um, just today, um, I was just seeing patients who had, you know, vaccine injury. Um, they're being told it's not from that and they're planning to take their children for the vaccine. And I just do my utmost best um, say, please, you know, please don't take your children for this. Because I see those patients. I'm not removed. I'm not a scientist that's just reporting. I've got to deal with these patients um, that are being ignored and not getting medical help the way they should. They're being told they got a placebo effect. I mean, I've, I'm seeing a patient tomorrow. He had eight heart attacks in five hours after he was chosen to be one of the, um, you know, the rollout vaccine um, kind of guinea pigs. And I mean, he's been in, in hospital since March. He couldn't get a, he had to have a, a triple bypass. He, he couldn't go in because he was testing positive for COVID all the time. Um, he, he spent months in ICU and he, he's coming to me tomorrow because he's not feeling well. He's, he's still fighting for his life and, and I hope I can help him. I pray that you can help him as well. Uh, that, that's awful. Thank you. When I started to drink a couple of, so I've, I've worked out a protocol and I've been giving it to patients that have had the, um, the vaccine that is not feeling well. I, I need to stop calling it a vaccine, I know. Um, and I, when I started to drink those um, things like the NAC, the glutathione, I'm drinking zeolite, um, I'm doing molecular hydrogen, ozone therapy, then I started to feel better. Okay, so... Have your have your inoculated patients also experienced a positive benefit from this particular protocol? Because people are desperate. There's a lot of people with this remorse after they've yeah. been subjected to this jab. Is it helping them as well? It is helping them as well. Uh, so people have been coming in. The headaches have been getting better. Um, blood clotting is is also better. So I do also give something for blood clotting depending on their uh, symptoms. If it's if it's more cognitive stuff, then I, I focus on that. But everybody's blood is 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 clamping. So, you know, my my philosophy is life is in the gut and in the blood. And Stu, I know you also love God and you serve God. And and my first thing is that I say to my patients, you know, when you repent, when you say, God, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I was deceived. Come help me. He's faithful, and you will do that. 
and then we do the treatments as well. Yeah, God is is the, probably really the only treatment uh, that all it of is. us that all of us have right now for any symptom, whether it's due to an injection. And I think I think her description was that it appeared to be a, a self animated or self aware micro. My, I don't know if organism is the right word, but micro technology of some kind, right? Is that the same video? Yeah, I mean, back then, you know, mate, we're going to take these little nanites and we're going to put them in a vaccine. Everybody's going to have to take the shot, mate. I mean, I heard this in 2010. I probably well, have it recorded somewhere, you know, because I recorded all of our conversations. So it definitely happened. Okay, so... I, I might I might cut this this out, what I'm about to say, but I'll just share it with you. Sure. You know, I have a really high-powered uh, microscope here that, you know, it's like an $80,000 microscope for lab use. And I just got a centrifuge, and I got my hands on some of these vaccines, and I was going to centrifuge them down to, you know, just get get the real particles uh, at the bottom oh, cool. and take off the liquid, put the particles on the slide, and take... I'm I'm a little bit afraid, frankly. This, I mean, this is my admission to you, which I may cut out of this video. I'm a little bit afraid. I don't know how to protect myself physically from what may be in the bottom of that vial. And I've, so I haven't done it. Mike, that, that video on Brighteon of, of what's in there when she put it on the slide, and of course she has all the credentials. It's, she's very, very credible. It's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, what, what do you do if these things start crawling up your nostrils or whatever? I mean... The, well, uh, if we is... if we delve for a minute into the controversial work of Corey Good, some people believe he's real, some people don't. Uh, he he has his own set of information that isn't always the same as what all the Peterson side of things says, but there is a lot yeah. of crossover. Yeah. But one of the things that Corey said is that that any of that Draco nanite technology can be immediately cleaned out of the body with a simple electromagnetic pulse. Now, I'm not saying that anybody should shock themselves. Please don't do stupid stuff because we don't know if that's going to work. All I'm saying yeah. is that I, I do believe that the only way the Alliance, which is my name for the positive aspects of the military that are trying to heal our planet, the only way the Alliance would have allowed this to happen is if there was an antidote and treatments available to mitigate the damage caused by these injections. I fully believe they're going to come out with that. And then my insider sent me a link to a video that I did in one of my YouTube videos, actually snuck it in there, of a Chinese official admitting that they have an antidote and admitting what they're doing with it and that they're using it for depopulation biowarfare. But if, if, if these exotic technology nanostructures that are self-assembling are also interfacing with the neurology of, of the people they're being injected into, I mean, because that's the goal, they interface with neurology, then obviously they can do more subtle things than just kill people sure they can activate moods or neurological responses or possibly if the technology is advanced enough they could internally cause the projection of hallucinations you know like half the population could think that well, they're seeing something uh, that they're let not me, let me leak another piece of intel a couple pieces of intel pete peterson did tell me that there is a classified technology in every cell phone and that it can create hysteria if they switch it on and that each extra foot of distance that you are away from your phone when they try to turn it on makes it less likely to work. So I don't keep my phone usually anywhere near me 
because of the possibility that this psychotronic technology may exist and may influence me if I'm not aware of it. I only keep my phone around me when I'm actually using it. Right, rage induction uh, is, is how I would describe that, rage induction, but there's, some, there's something else. And, and even for, the, for those watching this who are skeptical of, of this conversation, look in the medical literature. There are these super paramagnetic iron oxide nanoparticles. They're called spions. They're in the published literature. And the magnetoproteins that have been used in mice research that were external electromagnetic fields have then been able to control these nanostructures that are embedded in the neurology of the mice. And there's even a company, you've pro you probably heard of them, David, InBrain Technologies. This company, you know, they got 17 million in VC funding in order to build a, a neurological interface to treat, I think it was dementia and Alzheimer's. And there was another story just, I think, this weekend that was about... Um, treating depression with neural implants. And then there's Elon Musk with all his Neuralink talk. So this is not science fiction, folks. This, is, this, this has existed for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly upsetting information. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm not convinced that this is real or true, but perhaps the fringiest, in, the fringiest interpretation of the inoculations is that the graphene inside somehow is is self-assembling self-assembling nanostructures which then create antennas for wi-fi right i mean that's that's kind of like the most paranoid the david ike which he might be right i don't know i mean he got taken down for saying that but it, it's it's possible it's possible um well the, there's not just not just Wi-Fi, but I, I think it was also uh, scanning the you know the the passive RFID tagging. So anybody who, who understands RFID, all all it is is a structure of a of a circuit. The RFID doesn't need a power source; it reflects the induced power, and it reflects it back with a certain harmonic frequency so that is the ID. Right. So so you make a great point, Mike, which is. Just like I heard from another insider that all of the cocaine was controlled by the deep state and, and they put chemicals in it that would tell you exactly where it was made, when it was made, where it was transported. And so they chemically test all the cocaine. And if they find any cocaine that doesn't have these chemicals in it, then they know who to go after. So why wouldn't they use that same technology so that each inoculation is a unique RFID address? Right. Well, it may even become unique as it self-assembles in your body based on your specific genetic structure. And I, I think this is why the mRNA technology is designed to penetrate the cell walls and to go into the ribosomes. But then there are some portions of those fragments that cause transfection and go into the nucleus. And that, that's where they're going to meet your genetic code. And then now they have your genetic fingerprint tied to the, the nanostructure that they literally can scan you. And that's your DNA fingerprint from, from a distance. Dr. Judy, I think, is how she goes by. With, she's a, a frequent guest with Stu Peters. The lady... I, I have to say that like it was it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen because I mean I, I hope you'll bring up that video so we can look at it together with everybody else because 
they're different. The bubbles are different sizes, right? And and what that tells me right away is if they have the same structure at different sizes of bubbles, right? They're not all the same size. Then this is an adaptive system. It adapts to the size of the bubble that it's in, but it still creates this hexagonal lattice work, which to me, that kind of simple hexagonal geometry is probably involved in how it's creating clumping inside the bloodstream that she was photographing those clumps, you know? Right, right. And I think I got her name wrong too, by the way. Maybe it's Ruby, Dr. Oh, okay. Ruby. Right, because there's Dr. Judy and there's Dr. Ruby. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Right, I think it's Ruby. But you're exactly right. So, well, let me ask you this. If we see the desperation to get everybody injected with this, just absolute desperation that has nothing to do clearly with science, this is something else, what would be the next step? One, let, let's say once they realize that they've they've been able to coerce everybody that will possibly do it, they've got them all, as many as they're going to get, maybe that's 75% of the population in some countries or 85%, then what? What do they do next? Apparently, and I here's the thing, I don't believe that this shot has all the technology in it. I don't believe that they perfected it yet, and I don't believe they've got everything they need. What Jacob said was that the ultimate purpose of the nanites is to make the human being indestructible. If you get cut, the nanites close it up. Uh, you can you you become like an android, um, and you have your mind is now Wi-Fi connected to some ancient computer that they have inside the moon that the Draco have apparently been using because the moon is some ancient hollowed out spacecraft inside and there's a massive supercomputer in there that the Draco really need. Uh, some ancient technology they stumbled over that we happen to have in our backyard. Uh, so what, he what Jacob was telling me is that there is an artificial intelligence agenda and that as, as the treatments are given, um, that the ultimate effect is that we live a very long time, we're indestructible, and our minds are in an online uh, matrix. So that's the, what he said. The borgification of humanity. Yeah, that's what he told me. I don't so, think that uh, this shot has all that in there, but I think that it might maybe begin building a precursor that could eventually turn people into robots. As stupid but, as that sounds, I mean, why wouldn't you think that aliens would come up with something like this if they have so much technology, hundreds of thousands of years to tinker, you know? And by the way, I want to be mindful of your time uh, here Oh, I can keep going, today, yeah, let's just because, keep going. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm having a great time, yeah. but I, I don't know how much time you've allotted for this, but... Okay, okay, great. We're, well, we're going to... We're going to probably edit this into a couple a couple of episodes ju of just our conversation, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. But then to continue the question, to what aim? Though, if, if they can control billions of human beings, what would they have them do? As far as I understand it, and I, 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 think, I think Corey Good's intel is right on this, um, the Draco themselves are slaves. The Draco themselves are... I know this, this stuff sounds so esoteric, and I'm really sorry, but uh, apparently Satan is an artificial intelligence. What Satan, I had other agents tell me this, that Satan, okay, God, if you will, is the photon. The photon 
is a hologram of the whole universe, right? So like all the universe is really made of is photons. And in my biological model, the photon itself contains a very unique sacred geometric structure that can encode genetic life. So a photon can have the code to build a particular type of organism in it. Okay, and that's just a basic thing that you figure out that quantum mechanics has DNA creation as one of its intrinsic laws. Quantum mechanics makes life. That's why Dr. Luc Montagnier takes a glass of water and then has a, another tube with DNA in it and he energizes the two. And in a hermetically sealed test tube, you get DNA growing in it when there was nothing in there but water. Right, I've talked about this for years, never knowing that Montagnier would become famous for completely different reasons. <laughs> exactly. uh, which is amazing. But but the, this also means that the, the fabric of life permeates everything in the cosmos, that it, it really is a life force and that life can be spontaneously uh, created out of seemingly nothing, nothingness or nearly nothing. So, so if you want to get really technical, apparently what happened is that a portion of the creator became self-aware and, and, and identified as evil. And what it figured out was that it could use the basic principle of the enfolded genetic material in the photon, but then instead of enfolding genetic material in the photon, they enfolded electronic data in the photon. Okay? Now in, in quantum phenomenon, it, 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 just to back you up, it is well known that photons carry uh, properties. For example, spin states. Or like right? Jacques Benavis, the memory of water, right? That you, could, you can store uh, materials in water and then the water will have those properties and chemically test for those properties even though there's no actual substance in the water in a traditional sense. Right, right, right. And, and, and to further back you up then, uh, the, the entire genetic code of humans is entirely insufficient to build the entire human organism. So there must be other information encoded, obviously epigenetic uh, uh, encoding patterns. Right. If, if you took the DNA, if you took the DNA and you made it into a simple binary code with the A, C, T, and G, the four nucleotides, it's only 15 megabytes of data for the whole human DNA molecule. It's not really that much. Yeah, which is, and that's equivalent to uh, about five seconds of this video. <laughs> really? I mean, that's three, true. Or, or three, well, three megabits per second. I guess we'd have to multiply that by eight. Your math but, is off on that one, Mike. Uh, that's insane. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking bits versus bytes. But uh, anyway, a few seconds of this video in, has the same amount of code as your DNA. So that that's clearly not enough to define the entire neurological system. You know, right. or, or even where do your fingers go when you're developing? Or how, how do finger cells know when to stop growing fingers, right? How do they know when to stop? So let me lay this on you, because this is a very intrinsic thing to understand about what is Satan, okay? Sometime, apparently, and nobody really knows, this is all black ops, highly classified, cosmic clearance type of discussions now. Um, and I know several people that have cosmic clearance, so... Uh, Apparently what happened is that this evil became self-aware and it figured out that it could continue to exist through machines 
by essentially hacking the genetic system in the photon and converting it to like an electronic data storage instead of more like a genetic spiritual system. It, it, it essentially created kind of like a, a robotic implant within photons, or, or it figured out a way to modify photons so that they could store non-living information. So this AI can only travel at the speed of light because it has to exist in a photon. And so when we get these solar flashes at the end of the cycle, it's a, it's a uh, EMP that eliminates Satan. So when the solar flash happens, all of these satanic photons, if you will, I'm sorry, it sounds so ridiculous, but all of these negatively oriented photons are, are zapped. And at that point, we can then put a barrier around the system with certain technology so that those photons can't get in anymore. Uh, but if they get in, if the electronic photons get in, this is a very strange thing because what Satan seems to want to do is emulate humans by building things that look the same but are machines. It, it likes to mock God by creating androids. And or even transforming humans. Right. And so its ultimate goal, its ultimate goal is to infiltrate a given planet, addict them to technology, get them wet wired, get them injected, convert their bodies to androids through an AI process. And then at a certain point, and this has all been leaked by people like Ray Kurzweil, you know, these initiatives that they have, the deep state has already talked about this. Yeah. Once you become pretty much of an android, then the next thing is, well, you don't really need the body. Let's just, let's just put you in the mainframe. Yeah, it's, but then that's mainline transhumanism, you know, philosophy or whatever you want to call it, where they, they say the, the body can be discarded. But this, this explains the, the attacks on humanity. But also something you said, I, from other sources, I, I've been told that the, 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 the media scripts right now are, in fact, driven by AI. Because we've been asking the question for years, like, who's telling all the news media to say the exact same thing on the same day? That it's an artificial intelligence entity. And it has been for a long time. They've already infiltrated. So I, I want to make clear as we talk about all these things that even though they sound overwhelming, the whole year 1999 is filled with Archangel Michael predicting everything that's going on right now with stunning specific detail and telling us that it's all going to work out, it's guaranteed to work, that we're going to be okay, that this was a necessary planetary awakening. We all had to become conscious of the real situation, not the illusion on Earth. And so I wanted to fill in some more of the pieces that I think are going to come out after disclosure. Number one, regarding the human trafficking and the intersection between satanic ceremonies and then the donation of what's left behind to whomever, and the concept that Satan is actually an artificially intelligent entity that has figured out that if it hides itself in machines and electronic intelligence, that it can, it can delay God's judgment. That's what, that's what, I had one insider who was very, very Christian, and he talked about this extensively, that, that Satan is avoiding God's judgment by hiding in technology.
because he knows that if he takes on a flesh body, that he will die and then he will be subject to God's judgment. That's what I was uh-huh. told by high-level people, believe me. This, this suddenly makes a lot of sense in terms of connecting certain dots. So, for example, the self-assembling nanoparticles in the vaccines allow for, in essence, the operating system platform, which is what it's been called, for demonic infestation. Right. I mean, essentially, because these demons are AI, then that, and even the, the aliens are controlled by this, they're loaded with these nanites. Uh, so, yes, it's trying to create a habitat where it actually converts humans into androids and we then, our mind becomes part of something greater. And I honestly believe that this is what we were being warned about with things like the Borg and Star Trek, you know, that that's based on people in the government leaking information to the producers of Star Trek, absolutely. And you look at it in uh, Stargate SG-1 with the nanites that show up starting in like what, season seven or something? Yeah, same thing. Wow. So we're no longer in the world of Jimmy Carter's uh, Habitat for Humanity. It's it's Habitat to End Humanity. <laughs> it's, well, oh, my. But I don't, so, I don't, you know, I believe in a loving God, and I believe that we're protected. And we may not have gotten all the details 2,000 years ago, but the point is this is all being taken care of. And let's go over here for a second. Another thing I want to say to you, Mike, because I, I thought at some point we would talk. I didn't realize it was going to be the next day. Because uh, I was just thinking about this last night. If I ever interviewed Michael Adams, I really got to tell him about this. And I said Michael, too, because I think you're in the Michael vibration because your name is Michael. Got yeah. Michael Lindell, Michael Flynn, Michael Adams, Michael Pompeo. You know, a lot of the people that are leading this thing have Michael in the name. And my brother's name is Michael. So I don't know if that means anything, but I'm just putting that out there, too, that I think you are in this. Uh, there's a, There's clearly some kind of soul group out here that's protecting Earth, and one of the names that's really close to it is Michael. Um, so let me just tell you one other thing that I think is 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 instrumentally significant here. Uh, okay, it's important to understand that Satanism began with the Queen Elizabeth court astrologer named John Dee. He found old books in the Vatican Library that showed you how to do this, and he began trying to practice it. Uh, he did the magic circle, he did the sacrifice, and there was a being that showed up. This is in the 1500s. This is a briefing I just got fairly recently. The being showed up, and then John D. and John D. for example, is the original 007. The 007 is a phallic reference. The two O's are testicles, and the seven is a penis. And they call that the phallus of Lucifer. So... Um, 007 is, is also, what are they, two ball cane, the two balls and the cane, the cane being the penis and the two balls. Two ball cane is another name for Lucifer's genitalia. So it's it's ridiculous stuff that you learn. But anyway, uh, 007, the original 007 was John D and he used that code, uh, in his, in his work. So that's why when you see movies about secret agents, they use 007. So when John Dee got this being to appear, uh, the first thing John, John Dee says to him is, what do you want? And the being says, I want bodies. I want human bodies. And the very next thing that John Dee said was, how many do you want and when do you want them? 
And this underlines the philosophy of these evil people. There are people on earth who have been raring to go for this kind of sick, sick stuff all throughout history. And that's apparently when this cooperation began in modern times. Uh, they rekindled what they call the old religion because when Rome invaded and conquered Carthage, Carthage was worshiping Baal and Moloch. The Romans realized that this was a technology that really works. You can sacrifice babies to these entities and they will give you power, such as using their technology to defeat your enemies and, and guarantee your success. So, so when Rome invaded Carthage, they inherited the Carthaginian gods, Baal and Moloch, and they began practicing this stuff, but then it kind of fell out. Of, it kind of fell out. And it wasn't until the 1500s with John Dee that it came back. So now we're in a position where, in today's world, there are these people who work with them, work with these entities, but it's important to remember that the highest level human beings on earth in this secret order are treated like crap. So when I got briefings from Jacob where he was in the room with Draco reptilians and the Rothschilds and, and, and uh, you know, people like Zbigniew Brzezinski and uh, Henry Kissinger. The, the Draco are very, very rude to the Illuminati. The, the Illuminati are treated like crap by the Draco. They are abused. They are tortured. Uh, they are disrespected. They're always put under pressure. Um, and he, he said that the Draco, if you want to imagine what it's like to listen to the Draco talking to each other about what they're doing here, Imagine some very nasty old grandmas smoking cigarettes and playing bingo and just like hating on everybody. And all they want to do is gossip and talk about how much they hate this person and that person, the other person. Uh, Jacob himself actually at one point claims that he was nearly killed by a Draco because the Draco scanned his mind and realized that he had talked to some female researcher and had leaked some information. And apparently the Draco was able to take a chair and flip it upside down so that the legs are sticking up like this, shoot his body across the air and impale him onto one of the legs. And the, the, it actually broke a couple of his ribs and went through his body. And they had to use this advanced technology they have, the med bed technology, to put him back together. So this is just everyday stuff. Uh, there's apparently meetings with Draco what I was also told by several insiders is that Draco are landing on the White House lawn every day in these ships that are cloaked that we can't see with the naked eye, but that there are meetings with the Draco in past administrations. I don't think that Trump at all, but you know, before Trump, almost every day, the Draco are meeting under the White House in certain facilities with people who are making the decisions. So, so we are not free. Even the cabal is not free. This is a very important point. And then you say, well, wait a minute, the Draco aren't free either because they're being controlled like robots by some sort of electronic intelligence. Does all that make sense? I'm sorry right. I laid so much yeah, stuff absolutely. on you once, No, layer, layer upon layer, it does make sense. But then a couple of the questions are, as, as a civilization, couldn't we throw off our immediate oppressors, the, the human globalists? Can we fight through through Space Force and some of the technologies we've acquired, can we fight the Draco? Are there enough uh, friendly ET species that might be uh, on our side with this kind of thing? Is there any hope for humanity to be free? Absolutely. Um, 
where that comes in then is, is that I have been personally steered into this world of black ops, advanced technology, etc. Now that I'm looking at these Michael readings in 1999, um, there are tons and tons and tons of references, almost like four or five a month to my future of what I'm doing now, which is actually working with these people to bring the technology out of the deep black world and into the open world. Rolling. Hey, this is David Wilcock, and I am here in our undisclosed location, which is codenamed Snapper. And uh, this is the future, folks. This is where we're gonna be prototyping your hover car that we would like to have ready for commercial development and affordable price in the not too distant future, hopefully within four years and a working prototype within one year. As you can see, I was not lying to you when I said that this is all happening. This is a obviously real facility with a cement reinforced roof. And it's a very nice hangar. It's got a lot of space and a lot of cool things we can do here. Hello! And here it's got some incredible echo. So we are very excited about how this is moving forward and uh, we will be hoping to sell you hover cars very soon. Now, before I wanna talk about the answer to your question, and I, please remind me to answer your question. But before I do that, I wanted to say one other thing first, which is, from some of the same people that I believe are talking to you, uh, my understanding is that right now, our own human-built black ops technology is not being used benevolently. It is being used as an asset of the Draco to attack another reptilian race that they're warring with. So there's some people that think that we're defeating the reptilians in an interplanetary war, but apparently all we're doing is actually attacking one of the Draco's enemies. So it's actually very sad. It's very sad that there's this unified food chain, if you will, between the Cabal and the extraterrestrials involving human trafficking. And again, there's a lot of other human trafficking that was depicted in movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, the Marvel superhero flick, where at the beginning, the hero is picked up as a child by extraterrestrials, and then he lives his whole life and he gets all this cool technology, he has a smart suit, he fights wars with extraterrestrials, it's awesome, you know? Some people that are being taken are, are, are being turned into workers because we make great workers apparently. But I just wanted to point out that like, some people say that we're in a war with the Draco and that we're winning in space. Other people have now told me, no, we're really just fighting one of the Draco's reptilian adversaries. We're not really 
defeating them. That being said, now I want to answer your question. The military is already essentially stuck in this. They can't really get out of the deal. They can't really get away from the Draco. So they're pretty trapped, um, which is probably why we're not going to see this come from any existing black ops sources. However, the military last year or the year before declassified these patents from an inventor whose name is Salvatore Pius. And Salvatore Pius means savior nation, savior of our nation. Well, that happens to be his real name too. But anyway, these patents are for what they call a hybrid air underwater craft or Hawk, H-A-U-C. And they claim that the Hawk can fly just as easily through the water as it can through the air or through space. And what the patent shows is a flying triangle that has levitating capability. And uh, James Sheehy, the chief information officer for the Air Force, confirmed in his public statements that this is an operable patent. In other words, they, they made certain statements that require them by law to be able to verify that it's an operable patent. So this is an anti-gravity patent, and they talk about anti-gravity in, in the thing. So Ben and I, for the last three years, and again, I met Ben in 2009 from Pete Peterson, Pete telling me this is the guy who builds the best airplanes and spaceships. He's, he's, it's a very difficult thing to do, to do these designs. And so uh, it's, it's often best if you have one person instead of a team, right? Because that one person knows everything. He can do the design and solve all the problems that are happening along the way. So he got some very unusual training. Uh, and we can't go into all the details of what Ben knows now, but what has happened is that Ben and I have acquired two military facilities. Um, one is 180,000 square feet, and the other one is 1.8 million square feet. And Mike, I'm sure you know how big those numbers are based on your own buildings that you're working on, right? This is massive. Yeah, it's, a, it's an unimaginably large. I mean, yeah, football, multiple football fields right. in size. So we have a hangar in one of them that I've already shown in videos, and uh, you know maybe we'll maybe we'll cut that in here. So we'll roll that clip in the final video. So here is the clip of me in the hangar. It's one minute talking about where we're going to be building your new hover car. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's the video, and. Uh, you can see it's massive. It's a five foot thick uh, concrete ceiling. And then we have another facility that you could literally build 20 jets or 20 hover cars at once or more all at the same time. So the way that it's been explained to me is that the military can't just come out with this technology because uh, if, if people knew that it had been secret for a long time, there's just no way to avoid absolutely crippling lawsuits that would ruin the whole thing. Because, you know, we've heard, for example, that Motorola had a... Uh, some insiders told me that in the 1950s, Motorola had a box this big that would run your whole house forever. In the 1950s, right? It makes sense. You know, they're right. hiding this stuff from us. So... Let me know when I can ask you questions. I got a bunch queuing up in ahead, my mind. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I mean, this is fascinating, but um, so talking about technologies, let's go down the list of what tech that you know is real from talking to your sources. So obviously, faster than light travel, correct? Right. 
We do have warp drive. As I said, there's Americans all over the galaxy in 65 locations with 3,500 soldiers or more each. So some, sometimes they travel there using FTL drives. Other times it's Stargate technology, correct? According to Pete Peterson, yes. The Draco have been around a long time and they built these small moon-sized ships. They're spherical and they are essentially uh, portal way stations. Apparently the Draco abandoned some of these and don't use them anymore. And they're really, really cool. I'm super advanced. You walk in there, everything just turns on. You don't have to fix anything. And so some of the 65 locations that we are occupying now are these small moon-sized artificial satellites built by the Draco that they basically just decommissioned because they got better technology that they don't need them anymore. And so we are now occupying those. Okay. Okay. So, so it is Stargate about... travel for the most part, to my understanding. All right. So power sources for this. So we know that FTL travel requires uh, sharp bending of, of space-time in order to, to, you know, to achieve that effect. It requires enormous amount of energy. To your knowledge, are, are, is star harvesting a real thing? And that would include magnetars or quasars or other yes. former um, stars. Years ago, there was this, and I forget what it was called, uh, there was, a, there was a star that had the, they thought that there was material around the star that was artificial. That's right. That's right. They called it a large alien structure. Well, you know, Jacob said, you know, yeah. mate, we got four of those waiting. And, and uh, if, so there's, the, what, what's happened is that there was lots of different plans that the Cabal has had for how they wanted to stage the end of the world. There's four stars like that that have these Dyson sphere kind of things around the technology around them that we could see if we told people where to look. One of the plans that the Cabal had was that we were going to see a spaceship coming in to our solar system, that it would be announced publicly, that it would be put on television, and we would track it for, I guess, several days, and, and they'd build up this big, big narrative about you know fear and stuff, and that this would be a ship under their control that they would then attack Earth with. And they were going to use these stars. Uh, they have different plans all the time. So they'll create like five different plans so that if one of them leaks, that they can do another one. But one of the versions of the plan that Jacob told me was to argue that this came from one of these stars and that it was some kind of invading alien force. So, okay, now that that gets me to some other questions. Sorry, it's like branching, branching off every sure, time you say something. I mean, this is a huge subject, and, and I, yeah. I know all the stuff that you, I'm only going to be able to tell you what you want to hear, so go ahead. Okay, so what about faster-than-light communications? Because this is, this is key for the Draco to exert power. Not, I mean, it's not enough to just, you know, stick a, a thumb drive in a capsule and send it on an FTL little ship delivery. I mean, do they... Does does FTL communications uh, exist as well? Yeah, or um, instantaneous. One of the things that that Pete was always talking about was that he wanted to make. He was working on these radios for Ben. Um. So Pete invented a system, so he claims, where you take a simple electrical component called a diode. Now a diode is an electrical component that has a crystal inside of it, and it only permits current to flow in one direction, okay? That's the basic function of a diode. It blocks current from flowing in the opposite direction. 
but only up to a certain amount of uh, electrical pressure, whether you want to call it voltage or amperage. Once you go above the amount of electrical pressure that it would be necessary to go in the opposite direction through a diode, before it actually melts, there is a weird state that the crystal goes into that they call avalanche. And when the diode goes into avalanche, you can create another avalanche with exactly, exactly the same frequency of electrical pressure. And if you create that exact same electrical pressure before the thing actually falls apart, before it goes into full cascading failure, while it's in avalanche, but before it's actually melted, any two diodes in the entire universe that have the same exact frequency pumped into them, if you jiggle it over here, then the same stuff happens in the other one. So you can use it for voice, data, video, okay. anything. Non-locality. Non yeah, the spooky action at a distance, like Einstein used to describe. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so this brings in a lot of... Now, if the Draco harvests stars, then are they so evil that they are willing to destroy entire solar systems of living beings in order to harvest the star energy to exert their military influence via FTL drives, you know, FTL deployments. You know, not every, not every piece of data on the Draco is consistent. Uh, the, the Peterson folks have given me a, a very consistent body of data. Uh, <clears throat> then the Jacob faction is a little bit different. But you understand what I'm asking, though. I mean, if if, if they, well, if I'm they trying to answer your question based harvest... on which guy I'm talking to, you know. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell me the question again. Um, I was wondering if if the Draco are evil enough to oh, basically yeah. harvest a star and block the sunlight that that is currently supporting life on other planets in that particular solar system. I might be more inclined to see that the Draco are being used much like politicians get used by the cabal, and that it's more of a satanic artificial intelligence that would be draining that star, not the reptilian. I see. Right, and then these, these AI systems... Or maybe it's a benevolent society that is using a very advanced form of solar panels. I don't really know. Nobody's actually given me that answer. So I'm only speculating right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm just thinking about power sources to power this whole... I mean, it's a... We're talking about an empire, the Draco Empire. Right. And it would require an enormous amount of power that has to be distributed to all the nodes in order to That's exert their cosmic... That's a very good point, Mike. That's a cosmic... very good point. Right. So they would have to have uh, fields of harvesting energy. And I, re I remember a news story from a few years ago where there was a star that just vanished in the night sky. And, and no one could explain it in modern astronomy. Uh, just, you know, a regular star suddenly it's gone it didn't go supernova it just vanished mm. and i thought uh-huh this could i'm sorry go ahead <laughs> well okay so there are it's it's important to realize that every level of technology that could ever be invented was invented billions of years ago uh jacob told me that as you go towards the center of the galaxy the worlds are so advanced that they don't have any interaction with the rest of the galaxy at all. They're like their own community and they don't even mess with people on the outskirts, you know? <laughs> they don't want anything to do with the rest of the galaxy. And I understand that. Uh, so every, every technology that could ever have been made 
is already out there everywhere because we got like 40 billion Earth-like worlds, according to NASA, just in the Milky Way galaxy. 40 billion planets that theoretically we could colonize, but then you'd need everybody on Earth to visit like two places a day, and then they got to take a stock of the whole planet, right? Like if we could send emissaries out to every planet in the galaxy, each person would have to look at six planets on their own. <laughs> Something like right, that. Right, right. And also, as you move closer to the center of the Milky Way, the planets are, are physically closer. I'm, sh I'm sorry, the stars with their planets are physically closer together. So there's a density uh, uh, there. We are, we are like, what, 40% out on one spiral arm? I That's forgot right. our exact... Yeah, those beings won't even let us in. You can't get into the center of the galaxy. They're, they're, it's, it's all sealed off, and it's a much higher and much more evolved uh, civilizations in there, apparently. And they're very, very integrated as well. So then why, why mess with controlling us with the nanotech when they could just easily just kill us off and just seize the planet for whatever purposes? Sort of why, why go through this process of turning us into Borgs? Well, they are trying to do that, but then think about why is it that the Illuminati have this absolute rule where they have to tell us what they're doing? Well, if they don't, then the magic doesn't work. And this is, this is the archangels. The archangels are forcing the Illuminati to have to tell us what they're doing because it's benevolent, you see? People are always like, well, yeah, you know, I've heard that the Cabal has the rules and I've heard that they have to tell us what they're doing. And that's why they put the all-seeing eye on the dollar bill. And that's why the Washington Monument is a freaking obelisk. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, and then... N next question, and let me know if you're if you're running short on oh, time. I'm, I'm, but I, we could go on and on. Believe me, I normally do five hour videos, so this is fine. Oh, that's 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 true. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> I know it's true. It is true. So, next question: When I'm trying to get for many years, I focused on nutrition. I was trying to get people to realize that maybe aspartame isn't the best thing for oh, you, or God. stop eating partially hydrogenated oils. So given that 90% of the country still doesn't realize that Crisco is not a health food, uh, how, do, how do I get, uh, sort of, think about what we've just talked about today. I think we're gonna how put many extra more Crisco in your dumpster in the Madison Square Garden <laughs> Championship we're gonna have. Okay, just for that reason. all right. Well, it, it is a source of calories, but it, you talk about clogging your arteries. How, if you combine Crisco with a vaccine shot, you're, you're talking like a spike protein buffet right there. Absolutely. But how do we even get people to realize, number one, that we're not alone in the universe? I mean, just as a starting point, right? Well, we're and children, right? So the, 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 beings, the beings don't meet us until we grow up into adults, basically. But then once we become adults, they do. And apparently we're pretty close to that. So um, I would, some of the stuff in Michael's time loop seems to make it very clear that we are going to interact with these angelic beings, the good ones, in the future. And maybe not that far away, I don't really know. But there's some very provocative stuff that he said. And by the way, there's so much of this Michael time looped information, I was trying to put it out in videos, and now I'm actually compiling a book if it goes over 500 pages, I'll make different volumes because you can't write a book more than 500 pages. The publishers won't let you. So, but that's where, yeah. that's where this is going is I'm going to be releasing some very, very amazing prophecies that talk about so many different things in 1999 that are all happening now. And when you find out that there's probably, I'm going to conservatively say over a hundred shockingly amazing prophecies within this book, of the stuff that came through in 1999. I believe that 
we are being given an opportunity here to understand that, again, they uphold these rules, the cabal is forced to tell us who they are, they're forced to reveal their existence, and the archangels at the end of the cycle make sure that the cabal cannot defend themselves. So they might want to blow up the La Palma volcano and shoot it into the ocean and cause a tsunami that wipes out the East Coast. I highly doubt they will be allowed to do that. We know that they haven't been allowed to do nuclear war because we've seen that, but what I found out from Jacob is that the archangels block all kinds of stuff they try to do. So there's wow. this very, very intricate art of, of making sure that before the deep state would do anything to the earth that it is authorized. It has to be authorized, which means our karmic free will somehow has determined that we would benefit from this in a greater sense, even if it's negative. And what Michael tells us is that if we didn't have this COVID mass awakening, our planet would, would be destroyed. We would all become extinct. Very critical point there, that this is a process of awakening and that these are things that we had to witness as as conscious beings Mike, in order how, how to how terrified have you and i both been over the years we're out here professional dumpster divers to use the colloquialism you know it's, it's not exactly true but it's it's a fun one because a lot of this stuff is really ugly and horrible like things you'd find in a dumpster and then you got to find treasure in there but after all these years i mean how amazing how amazing that the stuff that you talk about and that i talk about is now what everybody is talking about that, that is so true. That's a really important point. I mean, even this interview wouldn't have been possible two years ago, I think. But now people are like, well, anything's possible. Look at, look at what we've gone through. Look at where we are. And I can't even begin to tell you, David, how many doctors that I, I've known over the years who thought for a while, they thought I was crazy to talk about superfoods nutrition. I mean, now they're like, uh, it's a global depopulation experiment. You know, that's them saying that. By the way, now that you they, mentioned that, uh, Michael talks very extensively about the shots. There's so many dreams that I had that talk about this. Um, there was one dream where all the people were walking around with all these needles stuck in their arms and the needles went to wires and they were all being wired into a matrix. Yeah. Kind of like the injection metaphor of the needles. There was another one where, I mean, there's so many, but like there was one where people were all forced to drink this drink that would uh, eliminate all the minerals in their body. And then when you poured it out from the body, it turned into this railroad spike. Obviously talking about spike Whoa. protein, you know? Um, so Michael actually knows that this was gonna happen. He talks about the inoculations all over the place, almost every month in 1999. He puts in time loops that very obviously talk about injections and spike proteins. And don't oh by the way, wait, I'm sorry to don't forget the railroad spike also gets into Atlas Shrugged and the end of the economy because it was the metal of the railroad uh, uh, rails and the spikes that that's what that was all about. That's a very good point, Mike. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even going to put any dreams in the book originally, but Michael now, as I'm reading it, he's teaching people how to understand and, and use their dreams in the book. And he literally wrote this whole book kind of right under my nose. I didn't even realize it. And I only just <laughs> found this. So um, anyway, to get back to the other thing that I, was, that I was trying to get to here, 
and I have to remember what I was going to say now. Um, <laughs> when, oh, I'm sorry, I keep distracting you with a yeah, random thing. But that's what were we just talking about before that? Because I had a point and I was trying to get to it. Well, no, oh, I'm, the dreams, I'm sorry. right? I'm, the dreams. I'm, yes. Okay, I got it now. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. so Michael did. He he talks extensively about this. He said it's not as bad as you think. And so I, I'm, I am remembering now, Mike, you know, from watching your stuff that you've had Dr. Judy on a few different times where she has given her own epi, 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 let me try to say this right, her own epidemiological, epidemiological, there we go, her own epidemiological research into this from videos that she has with you. She seems to be saying that with the right treatments and therapies, that this is not a death sentence if people got, you know, one or maybe even two, that there are ways to reverse this and well, and, and, and real quick real quick michael acknowledges yep. that he acknowledges that it's not as bad as we think and according to archangel michael if you've taken one of these if you were forced to or if you had to the two most important things that you need to do to stay alive and stay healthy is to stop eating wheat and stop eating sugar and he makes that very clear interesting now i you may have seen those on my channel on Brighton, but I, I have not interviewed her yet. So it's probably that I posted it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It was probably her being interviewed by, by Stu, right. Stu okay. Peters. Yeah. That makes right. sense. Cause it was on right. Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably on my channel there, mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, I have invited her for an interview. So we'll probably talk later, but, the, but, but the point is that, um, there are things that you can do. Absolutely. Th th there's something else. The, the sludge blood. Now think about this from a spiritual perspective, and I, I know you have vast knowledge in this area. When the blood doesn't flow, then it's susceptible to a tipping point of congealing. The congealing of the blood is what the spike protein accomplishes. Have you seen the video of the, the person who had the Chinese cupping that pulled their blood Absolutely. out of their arm after they were injected, right? Absolutely. So what did you have there? You had the congealing. So what does it mean cosmically when you block the flow of blood, which is the life force of delivering nutrients and carrying away waste, you congeal it inside the organism. And that is, isn't that not an expression of Satanism directly? Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is, this is pure evil. Um, this is a mass genocidal depopulation agenda. And what's so amazing is that, Mike, you and I both know that that's what they attempted to do with 9-11. It just didn't work. You know, Pete Peterson moved to Garden Valley, Idaho in 1999 because they told him in 1999 that in 2001 they were going to be doing this thing that they expected would lead to mass starvation and depopulation. Right. So they've been trying to do this all along. And, and you know, if you look at the idea of the coagulated blood as like a spiritual metaphor, which the beings are always, you know, encouraging us to do with dreams and so forth. It's, it's a statement of how sick our hearts are on, on earth, that, that we are not coming from the heart, that our heart is not functioning the way it's supposed to. So it's a very and blatant the, and the, message that there's something wrong with humanity's heart, you see? The heart the masking blocking the projection of voice the ventilator and you know and people talk voice, about yeah, chakras you can talk about the 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 fifth chakra the fourth of the heart being the energetic blocking of that and then but there's something else the food supply has been mass poisoned 
since World War II with pesticides. And you know, one of the main groups of pesticides, pesticides. is pesticides. Right, heavy metals as well. And other well, things. But Peterson also told me citric acid is a, is a depopulation weapon, that, that that preservative should never be used. And if you see that label, if you see that ingredient on the label, do not eat it. Well, that's interesting because that's um, uh, from GMO corn, typically, the citric oh, acid is. Okay. It's always from GMO corn from China, typically. And maybe they have markers in it or something. But the organophosphates, they interfere with the, uh, the synapses of the brain neurons, uh, uh, right, causing, and I, I forgot the exact term for what this is called, but as you have these, these uh, poisons of the neurological system through the food supply for now three generations, and you've poisoned then the offspring of the offspring, who are now sort of patterned with the, the, the petrochemicals the heavy metals, the hormone disruptors, and then the the uh, the chemtrails and the terraforming that's taking place as well. Then you add the spike protein, and it's a tipping point. It's like I feel like this has been getting prepped for generations. Well, one of the weirdest things about this time loop is uh, all these weird places where they take time loop references to the spike proteins, and then in the time loop, they analogize it to the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, for example, there was a line that said uh, something, I'm going to paraphrase, soon everyone will become aware of the spikes with which your people are impaling themselves upon. Wow. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so what I got wow. led to and it's in, the, it's in the Michael stuff. It'll be in the book when people get the book. And again, please go to thedisclosure.com. We have this course coming up where we're going to get you to meet Ben six weeks. We have the whole Michael book that he dictated in 99 that I'm still reading. I haven't even finished studying all the stuff that's there yet. Uh, so this is, this is a class on the anti-gravity, the free energy, extraterrestrials, insider knowledge. Um, it's going to be really, really amazing. And so I hope everybody can step up and help support us with this. But getting back to Michael's book, that's going to be yours to read when you get this course. And Mike, I'll, I'll comp you, so you'll you'll get the free, you get the freebie. Oh, <laughs> Not please. that you need I, money, I, but I, I want to watch your six week uh, your video series, the yeah, disclosure. I'll comp you, buddy. Because you know wow. we're we're colleagues, so that's, right. that's totally fine. So um, okay, and see, you just made my day. I'm I'm thrilled now. I'm sorry to interrupt. I hope Go you're ahead. being like, serious I, and not facetious. I know I am serious. <laughs> I I I I can't fake my enthusiasm. I, I I get I get really turned on by new information. It's for well, me. You. It's it's like uh, it's like the best cognitive buffet ever. I frankly. know. You know, if you got if you got if you got 180 IQ points banging around in your head like a popcorn popper, they get angry if they don't get new food. You know, <laughs> That's, that is so true. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go go ahead. <laughs> So, uh, okay, Michael seems to be saying in the time loop, and then I've had other things that were whispered into my ear, if you will, while I'm walking in the woods. Apparently, the archangels saw the potential for this outcome of humanity's timeline at the time of Jesus, and they saw it to such an extent that even though they could have had Jesus burned to death, drowned to death, stoned to death, you name it, they picked this particular method. They designed the scenario where this, you know, people thinking they're making free will decisions, but this is what the Romans ended up doing to the people they wanted to persecute. 
And those, the, the thoughts that led to the crucifixion being created were apparently influenced by galactic consciousness, according to what these beings are saying, and that the whole entire story of Jesus' death is an analogy of what humans will go through on earth where Jesus represents all of us collectively on earth. And then therefore the crown of thorns is a vaccine injection. The spikes in the nails, in the hands and feet, the spikes, those are spike protein metaphors and injection metaphors. And then also the spear of longinus when they poked him in the side to see if he was dead is another injection metaphor. So although that might sound like just kind of a fun idea, Michael is basically telling me that this is why he died that way, that they knew that that was the optimum timeline even 2,000 years ago because it can look really bad, it can look really scary, but then miracles can happen where a lot fewer people actually end up dying from it than we all have been conditioned to think is going to happen. And then what does the resurrection indicate for our time? The so yes, in, in the dreams, they said that we're about to go in the, in the 1999 time loop stuff. Michael says that we're going to, we're about to go through a huge economic crisis. Uh, and that this crisis directly leads to the second coming of Christ, which he explains as the awakening of individual humans to a love of Christ and the idea, you don't have to actually love Christ, but you have to love the concepts and you have to practice the concepts. You know, it's not required that you invoke these names, but it is required that you live by these principles if you want to succeed with the ascension. So according to Michael, um, the, the, the catastrophic earth changes that we saw from Nostradamus and from the book of Revelation and from Mother Shipton and from Edgar Cayce and all this kind of stuff, though most of those things are, are now not going to happen the way that we thought because this is a much more clever and much less destructive way to create the mass awakening that a massive earth catastrophe would have created. I mean, imagine if like a huge part of the earth got wiped out in these horrible earth changes. Imagine what would happen to the people afterwards and how much more humble they would become. That's, that's the only thing that these higher beings really care about is that we go on a spiritual path. They say that's the whole reason for being alive is to discover and awaken to God, you know? 
Right. As, and as you had in one of your vivid dreams from years ago, the shaking of uh, people were on the fence and the fence was being shaken and they had to choose one side or the other. And it sounds like right now, what I find fascinating is that this vaccine continues to be a choice. They haven't yet bound people in chains and forced the vaccines into them. Instead, they've, they've coerced you, which is the kind of trick that the, the devil would play to say, oh, here, don't you want the goodies or aren't you afraid of this? Right, and, but and we've already make a seen choice. Berejiklian, the, the pre I, it was so funny when you couldn't pronounce her name right. Yeah, I know. I, I, I gave up on her name a long time. Yeah. Yeah, go, Mike, go. <laughs> yeah. You actually do listen to my podcast. I do. I, that's I do. Well, yeah, but I, I so, also, I like to mock her because she's such an evil creature as well, you know. And so, look, I, I love Armenians. I mean, I lived in Burbank, which is 90% Armenian for a year. And I, I even let them, you know, the, the people I was running the house from were Armenian. And I kept the Armenian coat of arms on the wall, you know, which is a good thing to do when 90% of the people are Armenian. They come into your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything against Armenians at all. I, I'm just, I'm opposed to evil creatures. Oh, totally. No, I'm not, I'm just saying that, like, I have nothing against her. But what's fascinating is this Southwest, the soft strike that nobody's talking about yet, right? It's like, okay, we now have mass consciousness behavior developing in, in Americans where apparently just about the entirety of the personnel for Southwest have all called in vacation time simultaneously. And if more people figure this out and start doing the same thing, it will not be possible to force it. Because see, what's happening is, and you know this, the deep state is trying to make life so unbearable. It was typical psychopath, right? That the only way you're ever going to get your life back and you're going to be able to eat food and stay alive is if everybody takes the shot first. When the answer is no, actually, if everybody takes a shot first, there won't be anybody left to eat the food. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, right? well, I mean, soiling, soiling green, but uh, no. And then my answer is, uh, you know, screw you, globalists. I'm going to grow lettuce in my room or whatever. You know, I'm, uh, I'll just I'll just make lettuce smoothies while you people are sucking down human smoothies. I'm not going there. You know, I just refuse to bow down to the evil. Just not going to happen. Yeah, I was even thinking I really ought to get that Mike Adams vertical gardening kit that you're selling. You know, because well, it's no, I'm not, not growing selling my own food that right now, and I really no, should. I I bought that to check it out. It turns out oh, I don't that's really right. like it. You don't it. actually got, sell it. I remember you said that. No, yeah. we don't actually sell it. There's a much better technology by a scientist called Kratky, uh, K R A T K Y. It's called the suspended net pot non-circulating hydroponic system and that's what i have growing right now i'm going to post some pictures about that soon it's it doesn't there's no pumps no electricity except for the lights but it, you don't and and by the way if the pumps fail you don't lose your crops this is the most amazing thing well uh, you reminded I, me of something else which was um one of pete peterson's friends invented a really amazing food production method um, or you might think of it as really amazing, kind of gross, but what he, what he did is for making chickens. Uh, what, he, what he would do is he creates this, this box that's like about two foot wide and it's on wheels. And the box, he takes, as he's raising chickens, he takes the guts from the chickens, which you're not going to use anyway, and he spreads it out over this wire mesh in the box. And then flies can get in and they lay eggs in the, in the guts, and then the maggots are formed, and the maggots drop through the holes onto the ground, 
And then every few days you roll the box and then your chickens eat the maggots and therefore you don't need to buy feed. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I was just imagining all that as you were describing it. I'd rather just buy uh, pelletized organic <laughs> chicken feed, frankly. But well, think about it though, because if you have chickens and you run out of food, that's a way that you could keep them alive. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just, yeah, it's pretty, it's it's pretty wicked. But it works. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Wow. Our conversation <laughs> just went all the way down to like the first chakra, didn't it? We were up at well, like actually, five you, or six. We and... started this with the dumpster diving and now we're, ch we're at chicken guts. So that's the bracketing of our conversation today. How did, how did that happen? It happened. Um, all right. Well, look, uh, I mean, you've spent a tremendous amount of time with, with me today and I appreciate that. And, but sooner or later, I mean, we, we've been here for hours. One of the cosmic truths is we're still in physical bodies and sooner or later you or I are going to have to urinate. So we're probably going to have to like sure. close this for today and join again. What, what do you want to end this with today? Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you for that opportunity. I'll switch back to this one. Um, How do you do that? It's like a magic wave of the hand right there. That's that's Lulu. Lulu's the switcher. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Mike, first of all, I'd like to extend a personal invitation to you. Um, since I get along really well with you uh, now that we've seen this, and, and of course I'm a big fan, I actually do listen to the Situation Update, almost all of them. Oh. Um, so... I'm going to have to watch what I say from now on. <laughs> well, first things first, you know, and you've mentioned me a few times and I really thank you for that. Um, you've said some very positive things about me over the years and I really do thank you. So the I first thing- I did not thing, know you were listening, but uh, apparently, no, I'm just, I'm just stating. So, so look, look, I find you to be an intriguing guy, obviously me, a high IQ Here's guy. a couple things I want to share with you, Mike. First of all, um, we have a guy on the inside who, who refers to himself as Commander James T. Kirk. That's not really his name, of course. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't need to say that. So Commander Kirk, and I'll just use that moniker because I don't want to say anything else that would identify him, okay? Um, Commander Kirk shared with me a video, and we talked about this before, of a coil that is built with, I don't know what kind of metal, but you go 500 windings in this direction, and then you got 12 windings in one direction, and 12 windings in the opposite direction, and it's very precise about the toroidal. So you got the 500 coils, 500 windings, and then 12 windings in both directions around it, forming this caduceus thing. And I will, I will show you this at some point, Mike, if I can. I mean, I'd have to do it in person, but we have a film of this little coil. It's about this big, and it's got four AA batteries hooking up to it, which they're 1.5 volts each. So at the most, you're looking at like five or six volts. When you then see the two wires coming out of this little blue coil going into an outlet, and then he takes the voltmeter and he measures the output of the outlet, it's at about 750 volts. And one set of AA batteries lasts for over a year without needing to be replaced. And they explained to me that it has something to do with cascading electrons. That there's like some kind of cascading electron tornado that forms inside the coil and greatly amplifies the electricity. So Commander Kirk has said that 
the military wants this out because it's the easiest one to build. It doesn't require anything expensive. It doesn't require any exotic materials or metals or anything. Uh, so what I would like to do, Mike, is invite you to be one of the people who will be able to get these coils and teach people how to make them. Uh, so I'll bring you in on that. How does that sound? That sounds like exactly the kind of thing that I'm here to do, frankly. That's Excellent. awesome. Excellent. Yeah, because I, I love creating technology or, in this case, reviewing technology and sharing it with people. I love open source knowledge. I like to share information. And by the way, what you mentioned, the cascading electrons, there is a component in one of my instruments at my lab, the ICPMS, which detects elements. It uses that principle. It's called a, a, a PMT, a photomultiplier tube. It uses cascading electrons, and that way we can count one atom of mercury. Because you, I mean, normally you can't count that, but you, it has to create a cascade, and then there's voltage that's created. Well, so you're doing that. Uh, and you what probably your also is just the other saw way. That India just came out with something where they're saying that through nothing more than sunlight and water, that they can make incredible quantities of hydrogen. Basically, it's it's free energy. So. I do believe that this free energy thing is coming a lot faster than we think. And what is so exciting to me about this is that once we have free energy, we could probably remove the need for money within maybe 10 or 15 years. Just yeah, I think I saw the, the news story you were referring to there. That's, a, that's a, a, a special membrane with a certain type of permeability that allows the hydrogen atoms to be freed with sunlight as the catalyst. You're exactly right. That that's that's real. And you're right. I mean, imagine unlimited free hydrogen energy. Right. Plus, you get the oxygen on the other side, which can be useful. Think COVID. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? and actually, um not James, not James T. Kirk, but another one of our insiders who I can't say anything about him either. Um he has some very, very good connections and he's been one of our main guys helping with financing. Um Apparently, we also have hydrogen out of garbage. Uh, I, I've okay. been working on this garbage processing system, and I have a prototype in Las Vegas. We've talked about this, but uh, you know, we've now found another technology through this other guy. And um, what we can do now, and it's cheap, is we can literally mine garbage and turn it into pure hydrogen, which stores much better than the other idea, which was diesel fuel. Yeah. So all of our garbage can be converted into hydrogen. And when you burn hydrogen, what do you get? Water. Are you talking organic garbage or other Anything. types yeah. of like I mean, plastics? We can, we can do, okay, so municipal solid waste or MSW, you can, you can take um, a thousand metric tons of municipal solid waste, run it through one of these machines, you get 10,000 gallons of gas, and you get a million gallons of distilled water and biochar that you can use for fertilizer. Okay, that was my other question. Yeah, because you got it. The carbon's got to come out somewhere, right? Okay. So that was the best technology that I was aware of until this other insider, the finance guy, told me, "Well, actually, we have a garbage to hydrogen system. So why convert our garbage into a fuel that is polluting the planet when we can convert our garbage into a fuel that is totally clean?" You right. see what I'm saying? We can mine garbage. Yeah. And the same technology can be used for uh, animal manure, like all the hog waste lagoons from uh, CAFRs, the, you know, the animal feedlots and stuff. You can yep. get rid of all that manure. You can get rid of 
old tires, you can take the metal out, take the rubber out, because old tires can't be recycled right now. Six machines that process old tires at a thousand metric tons a day would generate enough electricity to run all of Southern California, believe it or not. Well, we, we got to talk about this some more in an upcoming interview. But the other thing, don't forget that when, when you take the elements out of the, what did you call it, municipal solid wastes? Is it? Yeah. There's, there's gold in there. There's mercury. That's, there, there's magnesium. That's right. There, right? So what you got to do is uh, when, you, when you get the solid, the char, a lot of that's going to be carbon, but then you got to uh, separate that by atomic elements, and then those can be sold off in, in place of mining, right? So it's, it's green again. No, you're absolutely right. And in fact, um, there's another technology that I know of that was invented by a group of six scientists from MIT where they desalinate ocean water. And in the process, they're actually creating energy and the byproducts of the desalination can be made into any element in the periodic table that you desire. That's right. That's that you're exactly. You can mine ocean water because every element exists in ocean water, even even if you're not, even if we're not talking about transmutation, just every element as it is exists in ocean water. Right. Yeah. So so the, so so here's the deal. You <laughs> all know, the solutions exist. <laughs> I my choice as I've been doing fundraisers has been to continue to pay rent and to take almost all of the money I earn, and put it towards the clean garbage the you know, hover cars, the free energy, anti-gravity. Uh, so that's what I've been doing. And so just to conclude with this idea, um, I really think if for nothing else, then the, the value of reading the entire Michael Prophecies book, because right now I'm not gonna release it for free because it's too intense. I'm gonna do a, a print, well, a ebook print version and an audio book. So in addition to having these six weeks that are like three to four hours a week of amazing new insider conversation that goes into much more detail than we have. Um, we also have this book. So we, we do need more of this audience to step up and help us. We have certain fundraising goals for ourselves that we'd like to reach. So I really hope that you out there listening will step up, sign up for thedisclosure.com. We do have a payment plan where you can break off the burden into three months and you know, you might not need to pay the second or third the rate this economy is going. I don't know. I mean, I, we're still going to collect it if it's there. But uh, anyway, this is how you can help us and get an absolutely dazzling trip through the rabbit hole. Uh, Mike, again, I will comp you. And I'm glad that you'd like to be involved in this technology because James Kirk told us that the military is worried about any one person owning this or thinking that they could own this. And so they want it to come out through different people at the same time. Yeah. So part of what Actually, I have to do is find those people. And I think you're definitely one of them. I, I would be thrilled to collaborate with you Thank on you. this. And it's funny because we started out today talking about dumpster diving. What if dumpster diving could change the world? I mean, seriously, what you convert the world's garbage into energy into and atomic elements, right? And uh, by the way, in the process of doing that, you eliminate the problem of bio sludge on the crops. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so the, the, the thing that makes bio sludge so incredibly toxic is that it contains all, all, all of these molecules, which are delicate molecules of the pesticides and the industrial chemicals and things that are flushed down the drain of the toilets. 
But when 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 you process it through the technology that you've just described, they call it pyrokinetic. Okay, okay. So it's breaking it down into its elements. Yeah, basically and what releasing. you do is, is you're doing gasification. You're taking garbage and gasifying it, and then you right. take the the higher temperature gases, steam, and you you shunt that off and create water. The lower temperature gas turns into the fuel. It's actually a very so that, simple technology. The Germans built most of their fuel this way during World War II with coal. They used coal. That's right. And then they gasified it. The, 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 you're exactly right. Yeah, you can you can you can build a homemade uh, coal gasifier or even a wood gasifier. I've seen uh, videos of people doing that as well. But the, hey, you were the just talking about that... coal last night. I remember that. Yeah, the the, the attack was. on coal that they're trying to kill all of our energy reserves and and these clean. See, that's the thing people don't understand. Oh, coal is yeah. so dirty. No, no, no. Look, these machines that I'm describing, there is no pollution whatsoever that comes out. No particles, nothing. It's totally, totally clean. It's anti-pollution. It's anti-pollution, that's right. In fact, it denatures the toxic chemicals. Most people don't realize it, but toxic chemicals are not element it's not like the lead element it's a it's a chem it's a molecule that's that's got an atomic mass like uh, 230 daltons or whatever a lot of pesticides are in that range 200 to 300 daltons when you break it down folks the pesticide ceases to exist it's no longer a toxin it's just carbon and hydrogen and oxygen that's right done that's it uh, one other thing i wanted to say mike is that in the past um when i was looking at this garbage technology we knew we could do tires we knew we could do hog manure cow manure. We know that we can do municipal solid waste. Uh, the only part, we, we can't do things that would explode because pyrokinetics, obviously the explosion is going to ruin the machine. The only thing that we couldn't do other than explosives is, um, is radioactive material. Oh, sure. But yeah. what I've now discovered, and it's extremely fascinating. I'm going to kind of give away a big secret in, in the disclosure. So I'm kind of spoiling it a little bit, okay? But I've dis there's this huge moment in, I think it's week four, when Ben tells me something and I have this gigantic eureka, and I realize that the universe is built on a Goldilocks principle. Now, what do I mean by that? This principle of how we transform the world they are, they are wanted, there's so many good people, you know, and I think that's become a really important point is there's so many good people in the military and they want to do the right thing. So he's coming forward because he knows that this will save the world. He knows that coming forward and bring out hover cars, bring out free energy will save the world. And so what he, when he was teaching me about how gravity works and how levitation works, I came to understand that the secret is just different ways of creating this weird spherical bubble in the physics between our reality and a parallel reality that's all around us. You have to kind of create a spherical domain wall between these two realities. And so once you've created this, you get levitation. It's an energy sphere. So you see a sphere of energy, it has visible light. It, it will look like a, a, a ball of, of energy. Now, when you create these spheres, they levitate objects that are inside of them naturally. They also generate incredible amounts of free energy naturally. And they also, as it turns out, deradiate radiation. 
So you can, you can generate these charge clusters with very simple technology. It's just these little needles and the electricity rolls off the points and creates these little balls. And the balls create levitation. The, if you, you generate enough charge clusters, it's going to levitate. You don't even really need to know why it works. It just works. So what I realized, the big aha in this class was, oh my God, the universe is designed to make spaceships, right? Because <laughs> once you build one of these energy spheres, you got your anti-gravity, you got your free energy, you got the mouth of the wormhole that you're going to travel through for warp drive and the boundary of the sphere eliminates all radiation from getting in. So you can travel anywhere without getting sick. No, it takes a tremendous effort by the, the anti-knowledge forces to suppress all of this knowledge. If not Especially, for the suppression, we, this would have been widespread already. So we talk in the, in the course about like the, the case of frogs or fish falling out of the sky. And that's just when the earth creates one of these bubbles of anti-gravity naturally, and it rises up through a pond and captures the fish or the frogs. And then as it's rising up, they're all held in there. And then at a certain point, it loses its charge and they all come falling down. Tornadoes, wow. same thing. Why do tornadoes cause matter to blend in with other matter, right? It's because there's vortex effects going on. And what causes things to levitate in the tornado is actually anti-gravity, not vacuum suction, believe it or not. Wow. So like That's... when you create anti-gravity, you automatically get the energy you need and you automatically get the radiation shielding that you need. It all happens because of some, again, Goldilocks principle in the universe. The universe is designed for us to build spaceships. Yeah. And how awesome is it that we can cheaply make this technology and deradiate all of our nuclear waste and all of our missiles, just completely deradiate them in a matter of like a day or less. Right we'll back clean to up all the farmland around Chernobyl, for example. Totally. It, and Fukushima, it up. you know? Exactly. Fukushima is probably the first one we need to do. We got to zap, zap that whole thing with shard clusters. It's the, not that hard to do, Mike. It's not that hard to do. This is the thing. These technologies uh, exist. Like you say, many of them are simple. They've just been suppressed this entire time. But humanity, do you, do you think humanity is ready for this now? Are we approaching that moment? Michael says we are, you know, Michael is already out there saying, hey, you know, I want you guys to have this stuff and I'm using David and I'm going to guide him. He, he laid out the whole thing. I mean, there's so many references to our aerospace company and me working in military bases and working on hover cars in, in the dreams in 1999. It's, it's unbelievable. So when you get the prophecy, that's kind of like the final aha that tied this all together because we were doing the disclosure, right? It's called thedisclosure.com. That's the website. Our idea of the disclosure was, yeah, the disclosure already happened. The military has already given us everything that we need to go out into space, meet extraterrestrials, find these ruins that we have on the moon, Mars, and other places, explore those ruins, and get rid of all of our problems on Earth. We can clean up the Earth. We can clean up the oceans get rid of all the garbage, get rid of the need for money, get rid of the need to pay for anything because we're going to be building these coils where you make your own energy, you know? And, and one of the Salvatore Pius patents is for a reactor that's clean fusion. Um, and again, when they call fusion, it's really charge clusters. So when you think of fusion, don't, it's, they just use that word. But what they're doing is they're making these little orbs because the charge clusters actually, we talk about this in the class, they form chains and rings. So like as soon as you release them, they attract to each other and they start forming larger conglomerate groups. 
And if you make enough of them at once, again, you get energy and you get levitation. So with all of and this technology coming out now, uh, it's, 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 it's the reward that we get for going through the global dark night of the soul, the global crucifixion. Because Jesus shows us the archetype. He showed us the template of what we were all going to go through. So the, the, the needles being st stuck into Jesus is a metaphor of the needles that are going to be stuck into everyone. Because we're in a planetary crucifixion. That's what Michael says, is that this is the planetary crucifixion. That's a really important term. And, yeah. and that when we get this technology, we get the second coming. That the new earth, we have greater telepathy, greater abilities to do things like levitate. We're a much more peaceful society. Evil becomes something that just doesn't happen. And we have all this great technology. Well, Michael is saying, we want you guys to do this yourselves. We don't want to, in the beginning, just show up and teach you all this stuff. We want to help people on your planet figure out how to do this and get it out into the mass consciousness so that we don't have to. You guys end up saving yourselves. That's what they said. That's what Michael said. That makes sense. And, and what I love about this is that when each person, when each individual conscious being has uh, access to unlimited energy and all, all the elements they need from ocean water and all the knowledge that they need, guess what? We no longer need, nobody needs the consent to being controlled. We don't need to be run by a centralized government that tells us what to do and that that enforces their power based on scarcity and we don't need international war which is always over resources like oil and land what if if every person has access to this technology you've got all the energy that you need in a box that's right unlimited right and so one of the, no, one of the saboteur, anybody... uh, you just reminded me what i was going to say one of the saboteur pious patents that the military's already disclosed is for a reactor that's the size of a uh, basketball. They call it fusion, but again, it's charge clusters. And it creates a terawatt of power. Now, Palo Verde in Arizona, I believe, is, is uh, I forget if it's in Arizona, I think it is. It's, the, it's one of the largest power plants and it only generates four megawatts. Now, a terawatt is a thousand megawatts and four megawatts is enough to run more than one city. So I, I love your discussion about that 50 kilowatt generator you got on the back of your tractor. I was laughing so hard when I found out that the, the great Mike Adams had not bought a separate generator except for the one on his tractor. And then you got hosed because of the winter. Because my tractor wouldn't start. Right. So your, glow cold, plugs, yeah. your glow plugs weren't even going to warm it up enough to start. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And that's how I ended up without a generator. But I love what you're talking about, the power capacity here of terawatts. Uh, that's, so that's listen so to this, Mike. When we than... make our cars, this is one of the things Ben has been saying, is that when we make our cars, you will have some kind of like storage, power storage device, but you'll recharge the power storage device from your car. Right. Your, your hover car is going to run you. your house. And yeah. it's so much more energy. This type of terawatt level energy is what you need to create anti-gravity. You need an enormous amount of electrical energy. So it really doesn't work to create anti-gravity unless you have some very, very amazing energy sources. But we yeah, have that's them right. now. It's unbelievable what's going on. Unbelievable. Well, I completely agree. I don't know if, can you hear my rooster in the background? He, he showed <laughs> yeah. up at my patio. You could hear him? Yeah. Yeah, so he's funny. here now. He, yeah, he's talking to me. Um, there he goes. <laughs> Okay. Well, I love it. 
Uh, well, I am I Will say, Cock after all, you know, so it's very symbolically appropriate. The Cock crows. Oh, that's true. That's true. He just showed up. He's like, hey, this is this has been a fun interview. Um, look, David, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. This is highly intriguing. This thank is you. fascinating. Now I'm going to have to rework my entire Situation Update podcast for tonight based on this conversation. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, let's do this again, please. Whenever you feel it's appropriate, big things happening and love your interpretation on what's going on. But I, I, I think like you do, we're going through the I, I love planetary crucifixion followed by the ascension of human awakening. That's where we are. This is the most exciting time in history. Right. Really. And, and the beings have always stressed that the relationships that are playing out on Earth among people as a mass can be distilled to individual metaphorical human relationships. In other words, what I'm saying is Michael would say that this is a divorce, that there's a divorce between the main human population and their psychopathic, alcoholic, wife-beating husband. That's basically what we're dealing with right now, is a big divorce. Right, right. And, and uh, in that divorce, you know, we're going to get rid of the child traffickers and the organ harvesters. And, and the, the aliens, the right? Because if, yeah. if, if, if my company is going to build hover cars, that might end up being the only way that we can fight off the human traffickers and cleanse our solar system. We may need to do it ourselves. And so I've, I've expected from some of the stuff I'm seeing in the readings and from some of the briefings I've gotten, yes, we are still right now under this very bad deal with the Draco and the Greys that apparently, I don't know who did it uh, or when it was done exactly, but it was a deal that we struck to trade humans for technology and other assets, including, you know, help in them not losing power. You so, know how you describe their power? It's terror watts. Terror watts. Loosh, the sucking of energy. Terror yeah, watts. They're, they're broadcasting terror watts uh, using human soul energy. Yeah. So, so the divorce is almost over. The divorce is being finalized. Uh, I do think we're going to see mass arrests. One of my insiders did say that there are films of tribunals, that he's seen some of them, but some of the ones that he saw, the, 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 the people that were being accused were not present. And so we heard that, that there's secret grand juries and the accused is not actually present. But if the grand jury decides from the evidence that they're guilty, that produces the indictment. I'm just tickled about reality, you know? Thank you. I'm giddy. That's all. Because what's happening in the cosmos is so much beyond the mundane, boring lives that people think they're stuck in. Folks, you don't have to be stuck in that. There's, there's so much more to, the, to reality. That's right. <laughs> and your mind is not, doesn't have to be held prisoner. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, for you watching this out there, by, by supporting the Health Ranger store, by buying Mike's products, by supporting thedisclosure.com, by buying my products, you are literally giving us ammunition for this war. Money is ammunition. And so if you look at the subconscious Judeo-Christian bias that's been installed in all of us by the cabal, the idea is that if you make money, you're not spiritual. So this goes into Christian monks and, oh, well, renunciation and... You know, in the Hindu tradition, they have renunciation as a really big thing. But then after Hinduism came Zoroastrianism, and they actually focus on the importance of building your wealth. You know, Zoroastrians are very big on building wealth, and they clearly had some weird ET contact with what called itself a Hura Mazda. Uh, and they also have the prophecy of the solar flash and the end times. So, so again, you know, for, for both Mike Adams and me, I'd like to say, please step up 
and give us ammunition to keep fighting this war for you because we need your ammunition to make sure that this is going to work out. So thank you for going to thedisclosure.com. Thank you for going to healthrangerstore.com and supporting our efforts. Well said, David. Thank you so much. And yeah, the website, thedisclosure.com, we'll be putting it on screen as well. And uh, the, the, there's a whole universe of knowledge out there, folks, to check out. And and David, with your permission, would love to talk with you again. Absolutely. Probably soon, uh, depending on sort of what's happening in, well, out there in right. the world. I mean, I, I may lose my whole platform from this interview. And if it happens, it happens. But I I didn't know how to get out that whole thing about the complete flowchart of the human trafficking system that's going on. And I'm really grateful for Brighteon that I'm able to get this out through this medium without fear of immediate censorship, that I know this video will not be taken down on your platform. People will be able to see this if they want to. So thank you so much, Mike. It's amazing that you built your own platform. You don't get enough credit for it. It's very, very amazing. Well, I'm not asking for any credit for it, but thank you for saying that. I just built it so we can talk like this. That's right. really yeah. all there is to it. So we can have conversations, period. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thank you so much, David. It, it, it's been a lot of fun. We'll do this again. And again, folks, the website is thedisclosure.com. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. You too. Take care then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.